Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We're going to look at James chapter 1, verses 21 through 27. And please stand with me, if you will, as we read our text. James chapter 1, verses 21 through 27. So get rid of all uncleanliness, all that remains of wickedness, and with a humble spirit receive the word of God, which is implanted, actually rooted in your heart, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word, actually continually obeying God's precepts and not merely listeners who hear the word but fail to internalize its meaning, deluding yourselves by unsound reasoning contrary to the truth. For if anyone listens to the word without obeying it, he is like a man who carefully looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself... And gone away, he immediately forgets what he looked like. But he who looks carefully into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and faithfully abides by it, not having become a careless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys, he will be blessed and favored by God in what he does in this life of obedience." If anyone thinks himself to be religious, scrupulously observant of the rituals of of his faith, and does not control his tongue, he deludes his own heart. This person's religion is worthless, futile, barren. Pure and unblemished religion, as it is expressed in outward acts in the sight of our God and Father, is this, to visit and look after the fatherless and the widow's in their distress, and to keep oneself uncontaminated by the secular world. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now, because I have spent the past three days eating and lying about in various positions of repose, I've had a great deal of time to think about this metaphor. And I won't have the time to properly develop it, but if you begin to take up this line and begin to study it in the Word of God, you will see that it runs all through Scripture, and you'll see its validity. And please don't misunderstand, I am not encouraging you to take on anything according to the flesh. If you ever think you've heard me say that, you probably heard me wrong, or you were listening to another voice. 
Determined, disciplined flesh is still flesh and still reeks in the nostrils of God. This is an invitation to yield your soul to obedience, to the discipline of the Spirit, because this is what you were made for if you're a child of God. And I know we looked at verse 21 last time, but it is part of what I'm illustrating, so we're going to look at it again. Now, I would ask this question. How many of you, when you begin one of many diets, if you like most people, will fill your pantry with your favorite sugary snacks or pies or cakes, etc.? How many of you will do that with the intention of beginning a diet? Well, no. You say, Pastor, if I'm going to eat healthy, I will need to rid my pantry of such things. In fact, I will need to throw out things I've literally paid for and then begin to change my eating habits. Right? Isn't that how you do it? Because if it's there, you'll eat it eventually. Maybe not right away. Maybe not today. But it will be eaten, right? You'll justify it. Well... That's what we're talking about in verse 21. The Spirit of God has already pointed out the junk food that you're hiding. He has. It's not like you've got to pray about it. You already know. You know where those Oreos are, right? You know exactly where the junk food is that you're hiding. And he wants you to determine to rid yourself of these things. And he will continue to show you what needs to go so that it may be replaced with the true nurture. Again, remember, what he reveals, he will heal. It's a healing to remove the things that are poisoning your soul, isn't it? It can be a stronghold that you've indulged for some time. It can be something that's relatively entrenched in your life. But it doesn't matter. If it's entrenched, if it's deep-seated in your soul, the power of God is able to deliver you. But it will not deliver you apart from the truth of who you are. Because as you recognize who you are, you recognize your deliverance, your salvation. Everything that you might consider a besetting sin or a stronghold in your life is not resident in your spirit, is it? It's resident in your flesh. It is a part of that old man that died, regardless of when it came about. It is the baggage. And God can give you victory over the baggage, though he may not remove it. He can give you victory over it. And not a victory that he wins in the moment, but a victory that has already been won. Has already been won. You, by faith, are appropriating what God has already done. That's how we know deliverance. And it may not happen overnight. In most cases, it's a gradual thing. But in each time that you may fall to this thing, you get up and recognize, I haven't been made for this. This is not my desire, because that's where the enemy hits you. Oh, you did it again. See, you really want this. This is your, or this is my failure. I did it again. I don't see how God could possibly even hear me as I repent, repent, because here I go again, blah, blah, blah. And all you're doing is reinforcing a lie. Well, rather than reinforcing a lie and, inscre- and increasing the, the strength of the chains that you have put on, your, on yourself, 
Why don't you speak the truth over it and say, this is not who I am. I do not want to live this way. I do not want to embrace this failure. I don't want to embrace this. I put it before the Lord and I turn my back on the sin. I turn my back on the failure. I say Jesus took it all to the cross. It does not chain me any longer and I walk forward in his victory. And it doesn't matter if you have to do it again and again and again and again for the rest of your life. You will walk out of this life with a testimony of victory again and again and again. And you can enjoy that before the Father. So he's seeking to strengthen and heal the soul. To get rid of the things, the deep-seated things that poison you. Now... These are the things that spoil your appetite. Okay? They spoil your appetite. You have an appetite for truth. You have an appetite for the things of God. But you just let, you know, the darkness of the day, whatever it is, what somebody said, you're grieving over some kind of loss or something that happened at work. Or, you know, you just, oh, I just don't feel like I could be a part of it. Well, you're listening to a lie and the enemy's speaking in your voice. The truth of the matter is the last thing you want to do is run from the Savior. You want to embrace the truth of his salvation. So you don't want to entertain those things in the soul. It's natural. It is the natural diet of the new creation to seek truth. What you need to do is begin to rebuke the rebellious suggestion of the enemy that suggests that you have an appetite for the indulgence of the flesh. That is not you. Oh, but I'm tired. I want to stay home and watch a movie. That is not you. I doesn't want that. The I that Christ replaced wants the assembly of the righteous, wants the truth of God's word, wants worship, wants scripture, wants prayer. That is the appetite of the new creation. The rest of that stuff isn't the appetite of the new creation. And who do you think you are? I don't mean that in a capricious sense, but really, who do you think you are? Begin to rebuke the rebellious suggestion of the enemy. You have an appetite for him. Verse 22, I love this verse. It says, but prove yourselves doers of the word. Actively, continually obeying God's precepts. And not merely listeners who hear the word but fail to internalize its meaning. Deluding yourselves by unsound reasoning contrary to the truth. But prove yourself. What are you proving? You're revealing who you are through your obedience. Because the most skeptical person in the room is you. It's you. The most skeptical person in the room is you. And you're proving it. Prove yourself. Prove for yourself. What a glorious statement. It is not God that needs convincing. It's you. He knows the truth of you. He knows who you are. It's not him that's trying to figure it out. You're listening to lies. You're trying to establish yourself in something other than what has already been established. You don't need that. 
God is convinced. He said it is good. His work is done. Jesus said it is finished. If you truly hear the word, there will be a response. You will become active in obedience in the same way that your body is to your brain. In order to properly metabolize the nurture of the spirit, it requires an obedience. Yes, it can be specific acts, but it is primarily this. It is primarily you learning to respond to your new nature, which is aligned with the Spirit of God. You see, we always think of obedience that God says, okay, I want you to go to the foreign land and teach and preach. No, that, that, that can be obedience, but that's not the whole of it. Obedience is the way we live. It's yielding to the very nature of Christ within you. In that respect, if we're yielded to the will of God, yielded to the nature of Christ within us, if we recognize his character within us, then we'll respond with that character. And he won't have to get so specific. Take the next step. Now take the next step. Now take the next step. No, he doesn't have to do that with us. He can say, live. Live. I've given you life. I've given you abundant life so that you may live in abundance. Not so that you can have abundance dotting your life path like dots on a map. Step by step. Heartbeat by heartbeat. Yielded to the character of Christ. Recognizing that his inclinations guard you and guide you. He puts it in your heart. And you move forward in it. Obedience is you manifesting the truth. So if you listen and don't, guess what? You're not living in the truth. It can be specific. Obedience is your desire. It is your appetite. But if you are not aware that you are a believer... Uh, that you, because you're a believer that God has placed his appetite, his character in you, then you will constantly be trying to manufacture it. You'll be constantly trying to nail your flesh up to it. You will believe that God is dragging you into something that you really don't want to do or have any desire to do. So if you just listen and you don't do, you have deluded yourself or allowed unsound reasoning that is contrary to the truth to be voiced in your soul. That's what it says. You're living to unsound reasoning. Now, it sounds like you're reasoning, but if you're a child of God and you're a new creation, it can't be your reasoning. Because the child of God sit around contemplating disobedience? Does a new creation sit around thinking how he could subvert or change or make God's plan for his life a little more palatable? Does that sound like the new creation? Well, that's not who you are. That's the enemy's work. And if you are embracing it as your own, then you are entertaining contrary and unsound thinking, reasoning. Don't let that contrary, that voice that is contrary to truth be repeated and voiced in your soul. Because here's the thing. The media thinks they've come up with it. But the enemy had it a long time ago. 
You repeat a lie often enough, it becomes somebody's truth. Now, the media thinks that's her new way of operating, right? But if you allow your soul to do the same, then you have no basis of truth, and you'll bite off on whatever the enemy throws at you. All he's got to do is say it in your voice. You don't have to embrace that. Verse 23 and 24. For if anyone listens to the word without obeying it, he's like a man who looks very carefully at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and goes away, he immediately forgets what he looked like. Hearing without obeying, without receiving it as the word of God for you is worthless. In fact, it becomes degenerative. A religious placebo, if you will, to pacify your flesh. We know that we need nurture. It's not about feeling like. A child that doesn't want to eat, if he does without eating long enough, you recognize that he's sick. He needs help. There are times when you don't feel like eating. What if a person convinced you, because you had that, that you didn't need food? What if somebody convinced you of that? How healthy do you think you'd be in a week? Or two weeks? I would say in three weeks you wouldn't need to worry about it. Right? Don't allow the enemy to change the truth in you. Or your truth that you live by. You have a very healthy appetite for the word. For the things of God. For the people of God. For all that God loves. You were made for it. We also need to be active, to exercise. But we think that can't be enjoyable. So I'll just lay here on the couch. Well, if we just sit around and eat, we'll destroy our health. And the smallest activity becomes more and more difficult. Having no desire to obey can be a symptom of a larger problem, right? Having no desire for the word of God can be a symptom of a larger problem. If you can neglect the word of God, neglect the assembly, neglect the teaching of truth, if you can neglect those things and never miss it, there's a larger problem. 1 John chapter 2 verses 3 and 4. And this is how we know daily by experience that we have come to know him, to understand him and be more deeply acquainted with him. If we habitually keep focused on his precepts and obey his commandments, his teachings. Whoever says, I have come to know him, but does not habitually keep focused on his precepts and obey his commandments, his teachings, is a liar. And the truth of the divine word is not in him. You see, he's not speaking of the occasional Bible study. He's not speaking of a once a week or twice a week thing. He says habitually, which is like breathing. Now, this doesn't mean that you need to spend all your time with your face in a Bible. It means that you need to live in the awareness of his presence and make a practice by disciplining your soul to know the truth of how God has made you and what he has made you for. Wake up in the morning and know that you have an appetite for the scripture. Wake up in the morning and know that you have an appetite to commune with him, to walk with him, to hear him. Know that he has created you for himself and he is quite pleased with his work. 
And he wants you to hear him. Now that's living in the context of a relationship, isn't it? If you didn't believe those things about your spouse, your marriage would eventually just completely die for you. But you believe, even though you may not currently believe it, you believe inside the truth about your spouse is that they love you. And though you may not interpret it as love all the time, the truth is that that is an abiding love. An abiding love that God has given them. In fact, it would hurt them to reject the truth of that. That's how God made them. Now, James is going to illustrate this kind of disconnect by pointing to a man who looks intently at a mirror. The original language is indicating that this is a prolonged look, that he is studying his face. Now, having raised four girls, I understand this. This man came to the mirror to study his face, his visage. And this was not a passing glance or a hurried check. He is staring intently at it. He came with a desire to know something about himself, about his face, about his presentation. And then he walked away and forgot his purpose for looking. That's what's being described here. So if you were to ask him if he had seen a mirror, he would say, oh, absolutely, I've seen a mirror. In fact, I studied the mirror intently. I did. I spent a good hour just staring at that mirror. I know all about it. Well, if his face was dirty and unshaven and his hair disheveled, you would kind of doubt the veracity of his conviction to study the mirror, right? This would seem incongruous. You would think, well, if he'd looked at the mirror at all, wouldn't he have seen the issues? Right? Well, this is what James has pointed out. But he who looks carefully into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and faithfully abides by it, not having become a careless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys, he will be blessed And favored by God in what he does in his life of obedience. Now in verse 25, James is describing a doer of the word. He has a heart to abide or live in the perfect law of liberty, which is the new covenant. Jesus comes to us as the way, the truth, and the life in John 14, 6. And he is the perfect law of liberty for the child of God. As we abide in the law, we bear spiritual fruit. As we abide in the law of liberty, we bear spiritual fruit. Now, here's the thing. If we're abiding in the law of liberty, and what I mean by that is not that you're suddenly disconnected and reconnected and disconnected and reconnected. What I mean by that, by abiding, it's talking about a place that you abide. It's talking about taking in the word of God. Constantly receiving the nurture of God. That's what we're talking about. Constantly receiving the nurture of God. And if that is going on, then you are affirmed in obedience He says he will be an active doer because he receives the word of God. Starts with listening, right? Not just hearing, listening. There is a difference. 
I know the difference because I did it for years. I've been to church services more than I can number or count. I've listened to so many teachers, I couldn't even name them all. It's not about listening. It's not even about filling notebooks. It's about listening to him, wanting to hear him, having an appetite for his word. Now, if you are listening, abiding in his word, you will desire to be obedient. As we abide in his word, we don't forget how we are made. And that's a clue for us. Many of us forget how we're made, so we think we don't like certain things that we're made for. We forget how we're made, so we don't think we can handle certain things that we're literally made to handle. We don't think we can love, yet we has, his love has been shed abroad in our hearts. We don't think we can give, yet we have the greatest giver, Christ, within us. We don't think we can have peace, but we have the Prince of Peace reigning in us. We don't think that we can be any of the things that Christ was, but we are all the things that Christ was and is within us. We don't forget how we are made, and we don't forget how to live. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006.